0: The Tom Woods Show, episode 1769. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Hi, everybody. Tom Woods here. This is our election episode. And of course, the election has to be screwy, right? So I can't get you a crisp and crystal clear election episode. But it does look like the election has turned in a particular way, and I wanted to get some commentary on it just as soon as possible. So I'm recording this really darn late at night uh, with two uh, congenial gentlemen who are willing to record late at night, and those are Dan McCarthy and Roger McCaffrey. Now, Dan you know from numerous appearances on the Tom Wood Show, is the editor of Modern Age, the venerable conservative journal dating back to the 1950s. Before that, he was editor of the American Conservative. He has a column at the Spectator, uh, Spectator USA, and he is published all over the place. Then Roger has been publishing Catholic books and magazines for 37 years. He's head of Roman Catholic Books, His father, Neil McCaffrey, founded the Conservative Book Club many years ago. And Roger, so happens, is the godfather of two of the Wood's daughters. Now, both of these gentlemen are uh, Trump supporters. Roger worked for Pat Buchanan, did direct mail for Pat Buchanan back in 1992. And Roger is an expert at direct mail. Roger writes a letter and you barely open the thing and you're getting your checkbook out. He's just the master at it. And he raised a fortune for Buchanan. I myself have kind of given up on politics, but I have to say in recent months, well, yeah, obviously like any normal person, I'm more sympathetic to Trump than I am to Biden for probably a hundred reasons I could think of. I could think of a hundred things that make me crazy about Donald Trump, but at least he's not gonna keep me locked in my house and ruin my kids' lives forever, which is more than I can say for a whole lot of democratic governors and more than I can say for Joe Biden. And to me, that is the major, major issue right now, is to give the middle finger to uh, politicized science, personified by Dr. Fauci. So anyway, having said that, let's turn now to these gentlemen. And uh, the, the first thing I wanna say has to do with something I just posted on Twitter. Gentlemen, a couple of hours ago, I tweeted the following. And it's an obvious observation, but it did get thousands of likes and I'd like you to comment on it. I, I wrote this. If Donald Trump wins, he has accomplished something truly staggering. He has withstood an unprecedented onslaught from the media, the entertainment world, the intelligence community, intelligence is in quotation marks, the foreign policy establishment, politicized medicine, Academia and woke corporations. Now, I could have added also big tech and you know, if you want to use the word censorship of, of uh, his people and supporters, it's the. I mean, it's not that they all got together in a room and coordinated this, but if they did, I don't think it would look any different from what they actually did.
1: They don't have to coordinate. They know what they know what each other yeah. thinks. So, but what do you think about that? I mean,
0: that really, regardless of how this all came out this is an astonishing result, really. It's amazing that anyone could withstand that.
2: Yeah, it's totally breathtaking. And you know, if I'm uh, a little bit sedate at the moment, it's only because uh, I'm waiting with bated breath to see what happens in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Uh, You know, you've got a lot of ongoing vote counting uh, taking place there, which is, of course, an invitation for mischief now that uh, Democrats know what the outcome is everywhere else. Um, Now, hopefully we're not going to see any shenanigans, but um, again, let's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of tempted just to wait here. That said, I mean, we can already pronounce Donald Trump victorious in a number of respects. Um, he has successfully defied everyone who tried to paint him as a racist, everyone who tried to say that uh, Donald Trump and his policies were going to alienate every non-white from the Republican Party, because in fact, Donald Trump seems to have done extremely well with Latino voters. And, um, you know, that allowed Florida, for example, to be called very early uh, for Donald Trump, at least by people who were watching the results come in. And um, this is, you know, the the left's view of using race as a way to destroy the Republican Party and advance a socialist agenda, which in fact is very detrimental for Latinos. And of course, many Latinos who have immigrated actually came here to get away from socialism in other countries. Well, the Democrats have totally screwed everything up. They have, uh, they have a message which doesn't work with Latinos. And I suspect they have actually seen, um, we don't have the full numbers yet, but I suspect that the black turnout has not been what Democrats were counting on either. And there too, a lot of the sort of race uh, baiting that the Democrats engaged in seems to have failed completely. And what I worry about now is just whether there are so many white liberals in this country that they may yet uh, come through for Biden in a few of these uh, undecided
1: states. Well, they control, uh, Dan, as you know, they control the, the statehouse in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, which, as we speak, are up in the air. So, <clears throat> although Trump has a serious lead, even allowing for the fact that, you know, half the vote isn't counted in all three states, as we speak, I figure he's got Michigan. Um, but, um, you know, these, these people won't even certify his victorious vote. Right. I mean, attorney, whoever certify a secretary of state in Pennsylvania will not certify uh, a Trump win. That's a given. So the whole thing is headed to the Supreme Court, in my view, one way or the other. By the way, Tom, Biden outspent him about two and a half to one. So in addition to everything else, he was hugely outspent. Right. That didn't matter. Right. Right, right. So there was that. Uh, but I, I see an electoral victory for him. I think he's going to get, you know, 270-something electoral votes by, by, by this time tomorrow.
0: Yeah, by the time people are hearing this. Look, we did the best we could. We stayed up, everybody who's listening right now, we stayed up as late as we could for you guys to try to get an episode out to talk about this. Mm-hmm. I want to add something about the rallies that he did, but particularly the crazy schedule of the last week where he was doing four or five rallies a day uh, all over the place and these these rallies brought out enormous numbers of people and a lot of folks said the polls have to be wrong because sorry nobody who's losing brings out a crowd like that and i have to say that when i heard that i was reminded of the ron paul phenomenon where he brought out huge crowds uh, not Trump-sized crowds, but but very good crowds, better than Romney could bring out, that's for sure, or Rick Santorum, any of these other people. And you would drive around, and the only bumper stickers you'd see were Ron Paul bumper stickers, and you thought, gee, the polls must be wrong. But then when the polls opened, polls were right, it turned out. So I wondered about this. But in Trump's case, something really is screwy with the polls. I mean, the polls were not even cl- close. I, mean, well, I don't know exactly what the polls were saying about Ohio, but... At least at this moment, yeah. Trump has a pretty convincing lead in Ohio.
1: He's—he's—they declared Ohio for Trump.
0: Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, right, um, right. So uh, convincingly. I mean, and that's, thats
1: yeah. Uh, that, but actually, if Tom, if you, uh, as we discussed earlier today, if you look at the, some of the poll charts, the numbers were screwy in most states. But and so the pulse was wrong, but the blood pressure reading, so to speak, was right in several of these uh, real clear politics charts in Ohio. He was going parabolic in Ohio, parabolic in Michigan. He was going parabolic in Pennsylvania. If you look at those charts, frozen uh, this morning. So um, that's why I'm confident he's going to take these states unless um, something intervenes here in the last in the next 24 hours but the pollsters are finished i think anyway because nobody's answering the phone it's very simple and i and as for getting through to them on the web as joe biden would say come on I mean, that's just ridiculous there's no such thing as a scientific poll um, you know <laughs> through the web so thank god those guys are done Forever. It'll, be,
2: it'll be interesting to see whether one or two of the renegade polling firms, which had numbers that were much better uh, for Donald Trump in all of the battleground states, whether they wind up vindicated by this. So uh, Trafalgar is the one pollster that um, more or less consistently found much higher ratings for Donald Trump than in other states, um, sorry, than other pollsters found in the battleground states. And, uh, you know, Trafalgar's methodology had been questioned by almost everyone. But if it turns out that they were right, um, that they really did nail it, and certainly they nailed the you know sort of appearance of things. We'd have to drill down to see exactly how accurate their specific claims have been. But um, they look like they've got a lot to uh, crow about. And Trafalgar is interesting because they were one of the few people that also called Brexit correctly. And the reason they keep making these correct calls and with Brexit and then with the 2016 election and now with the 2020 battlegrounds is that they have a different approach to their estimates as to uh, voter turnout. Because any, any polling firm has to make a guess as to what the voting, t- what the composition of the electorate is going to look like in terms of how many Democrats are going to vote, how many Republicans, how many people who are undecided. And um, every other pollster has been overweighting for Democrats. And Trafalgar has been saying there are you know, quiet, shy Trump voters who are not eager to tell pollsters who they're going to vote for but who actually are in fact uh, going to vote for Donald Trump on election day?
1: Right, but Rasmussen also gets an honorable mention because they 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 called the last poll I saw for the general was that um, Biden had a one percent lead in the popular vote, and that's exactly what I'm looking at right now. You know, after midnight on a, on election day, so Rasmussen came pretty. Close, And I think they had uh, Biden up in Arizona, but generally Rasmussen has been almost as reliable, as far as I can tell, as Trafalgar. Um, and yeah, Brexit was supposed to be, uh, I mean, the polls were, were, were five points. There was a shift of five to seven points the last day of Brexit.
2: Yeah, and I want to um, you know re-emphasize something that Roger has just said, which is even when we talk about the popular vote, which of course doesn't mean anything constitutionally, but it certainly grants bragging rights. It looks as if um, you know here we are uh, after midnight, uh, the day after election day, in fact, and Donald Trump, um, you know, held a lead in the popular vote up until about an hour ago, maybe an hour and a half ago, and we'll see what happens when all the California votes and everything else are counted. It looks as if Donald Trump has really cut down uh, the deficit he had in the popular vote uh, in 2016 down to something that is going to be much slimmer this time in 2020. He may still he's almost certainly still going to lose the popular vote, but probably not by very much. And this again is an indictment on the kind of campaign and the kind of overall um, agenda that the Democrats have put forward. I mean, they didn't even have run a serious campaign. They just said Donald Trump is responsible for 200,000 COVID deaths. Therefore, you have to elect this mummified old man, Joe Biden, as president. And by the way, you're a racist if you don't do that. And here's Kamala Harris to tell you that you're a racist if you don't do that. Well, that completely failed. Hispanics didn't want to hear that. I don't think black voters wanted to hear it. And, you know, Americans in states like uh, Florida and Pennsylvania, they didn't uh, you know, white Americans didn't want to hear that either, except for
1: the liberals who were already voting for the Democrats. Exactly. And not only Pennsylvania and Florida, but Michigan and Wisconsin, I mean, these things are at the at the very least they're going down to the wire, but again, Trump has a serious lead in Michigan as we speak, and he could take Wisconsin too. I, I, I mean, all three of them, actually.
2: And it'll be interesting to see. I guess uh, uh, Minnesota hasn't been called yet either. And uh, no, it has. Yeah, oh, they, has it? They, just they just
1: called for, it for, for Biden. yeah. I was just going to add. Okay, that. well, that's yeah. So you can destroy, you know, the major city in 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 Minnesota and still. And, and and Biden didn't say a word for what weeks and still you can win yeah, apparently his people it's unbelievable it's unbelievable to see Biden take Minnesota after they've half destroyed well it is my,
2: my, his people his people my note of caution here though is that you know Kenosha's in Wisconsin and if it turns out that there too you know voters have been willing to tolerate the destruction that we've seen um, you know, Wisconsin was very, very close in uh, 2016. It was, you know, w- well under one point.
1: Uh, Kenosha, Kenosha, sorry, Dan, Kenosha has totally flipped for Trump. They're two to one. I for hope Trump. so, but, uh, uh they're 50 for, for uh, Trump, Hillary, but they're two to one. Okay. For Trump well, that's tonight. great to hear.
2: And I do hope that, you know, when this is all, you know, called and certified, that'll still be the case. Um, Wisconsin was just so close in 2016 that I do worry about it, uh, the fact that it's going to be a couple of days yet before they make it official. And uh,
1: right, Milwaukee, County. Pennsylvania, yeah. you
2: know, I mean, uh, you got Philly to deal with. And in Philly, in fact, they already said on election day that they were going to stop counting the votes and just kind of wait a while. And I mean, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> insane. Philly is renowned for its voting <laughs> corruption. And uh, boy, oh boy, the fact that they just decided they're going to stop for a while and just kind of see how everything else goes, uh, that really raises an eyebrow.
1: Yeah, and, and, and this will go, you know, that case will end up in the Supreme Court. And now so that we're in the hands of Gorsuch and Roberts, Roberts will vote with the other side. It's going to be at best a five to four decision. And I don't trust Gorsuch or Amy Barrett, to be honest.
2: I think you're exactly right, Roger. And look at the way that the media has set this up, where they've said for weeks and weeks now, Donald Trump is not going to concede the election. And you're going to have, I mean, you already have Antifa people gathering in front of the White House on Election Day. Uh, if this gets protracted, you're going to see Antifa riots again. The media is going to say these riots are brought about because Donald Trump has refused to accept the result and step down. Um, all of this is going to be, you know, a big lie, but it's going to be propagated by every single institution out there. And then you have to factor Republican cowardice into everything. Uh, that You know, you have people like Mitt right. Romney, you have people like John Roberts on the Supreme Court. These people are not, you know, folks you can rely upon if you get to a high-pressure situation. I mean, Mitt Romney, of course, isn't even doesn't even need a high-pressure situation to turn his back on conservatives and Republicans. So, uh, you know, it's, let's, uh, you know, I, I'm very hopeful, but I also think that there is a lot of, you know, uh, opportunity for mischief here, and uh, we're going to have to be prepared for some tough times.
0: Well, let me just say a quick thing about the numbers looking at the map right now, because let's assume that there, there's no room for shenanigans whatsoever. The numbers at the moment that, that we're recording is Biden 237 and Trump 210. And the remaining places that haven't been permanently, co- that haven't been called would be Alaska, which is only three. Nevada, no information yet about them. Uh, Montana's gonna go Trump. Uh, looks like Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia. That's it. Then there's a couple of uh, you know issues about Maine and Nebraska because they split their electoral votes. Uh, but but primarily, that's what we're looking at. Those states I just mentioned. So the the rest of the states to be called. Nevada is a wild card.
1: Um, uh, that'll go for Biden. Okay. If Arizona goes for okay. Biden,
0: you know. but he doesn't need it. He he, he certainly doesn't uh, need great. it. Um, with with these states remaining. Trump wins. Just just add him up. He he gets over the finish line. So it really does come down to the counting of the votes over the next few days in these places.
1: Correct, correct. He's got Georgia and North Carolina, um, and he could he could run the table except Nevada. But you know he just needs. He's got Georgia and North Carolina. He just needs obviously Michigan. He needs two of the three. Yeah. Michigan, Pennsylvania. And, you know, I mean, um, Fox called Arizona
2: fairly quickly. Um, that was ridiculous. Yeah, various people I know out in Arizona think that that was premature and that, um, you know, because Arizona, by the time Fox had called it, Arizona had not even started tabulating the day of vote, which is, of course, the overwhelmingly Republican vote. So, you know, it's very rare that you get something called and then recalled, although we certainly recall that happening back in 2000. So even with Arizona, maybe we want to, you know, actually get the final vote tally before we concede that um, that really
1: is in Biden's hands. But it does. look I, I, I agree. Biden's headed over to make a statement right now as, as we tape. So obviously they're nervous. Otherwise, the candidate wouldn't be rushing out. Plus, he has to go to bed. It's, you know, 1230.
0: Yeah. Has, so Trump hasn't said anything
1: at this point? No. But the fact that Biden's rushing out to, you know, say something means they're nervous. It it means exactly the opposite of what they're projecting here. Um, And and yeah, Arizona, obviously that shouldn't have been called.
0: Your email to me, Roger, earlier tonight uh, about, I think you sent it to both of us, about Donna Brazile, uh, I I guess that's her name, uh, who's with Fox News as like one of the You know, non right wingers just to make the place look respectable, and and she said something like this shortly after eight p.m. tonight. She said, "You know, I'm still cautiously optimistic, or something like that, about Biden's chances." Like it's a little early to be talking like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, clearly, clearly they knew something was something was going wrong. She said, "I'm still," uh, she said, "I'm still, I still see a clear." Yeah, there it is.
0: (laughs) There it is. Yeah. Ouch. That's not what you want to hear. Yeah.
1: Roger
2: is quite right there. You know, there were, um, you know, a few um, state-level experts, a few, you know, Democratic uh, turnout experts and others who were commenting on Twitter early in the evening uh, before we started getting the results. And it was clear that they were very, very disturbed by what they saw in terms of the turnout. And, you know, I live in a very Democratic part of Northern Virginia, and I actually live next door to my polling place, so I can just look out my window and see it. And there was nobody voting, you know, in person uh, where I live. And I kind of thought that's kind of interesting because, um, yeah, I'm sure most of the Democrats, you know, voted, um, uh, you know, voted early, and um, you know, they didn't, they weren't necessarily going to turn out on election day. But I, but there should have been some. There would have been some, you know, indication if there really was, uh, you know, this uh, overwhelming mass of Biden supporters that we've been hearing about in the media for weeks and weeks. And of course, it took a very long time for Virginia to be called, um, you know, this past night because Virginia, I think, wound up being a bit closer than the Democrats had expected. They really, you know, failed to get people enthusiastic and turning out uh, for the Trump Harris ticket. And you can see why. Yeah.
1: yeah well, well, that's why that's why I think Trump is still going to emerge, you know, the winner and he, because in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, their turnout's not good either, yeah, it's hard to
2: imagine that, you know, Republicans could make a place like Virginia competitive, considering how blue it's gone. And uh, and then they would get blown out in a place like, you know, Wisconsin or Michigan. So if, if Virginia was competitive as long as it was, uh, you know, on election day, then I would think that bodes pretty well for Wisconsin and Michigan. Yeah. Well, I hesitate to speculate
0: given that there is still some uncertainty, but I would say clearly uh, it's swinging toward Trump to the point where I haven't actually looked at the betting sites. Have has either of you looked at any of these betting sites that tend to be, pretty good because people are putting their money where their mouths are about this. Well, I heard they heard fluctuated.
2: They've... Okay. Yeah, they were, you know, very bullish on Biden at the beginning of the day. Then, of course, as results started coming in, they very swiftly became very bullish on Donald Trump. And then when Arizona was called, uh, they started, you know, sort of scaling back. And I don't know what the final or the most recent numbers have been on the betting sites, but I do know that the Arizona, you know, results came as a, you know, a, a bit of a sobering note to the uh, betting markets.
0: Yeah, but I, I'll say if if uh, if I were running a a betting outfit uh, right now, looking at looking at the map, I would say you gotta if you're gonna go against Trump, we'll get, we'll throw you a few points or something to make it even at this point. <laughs> right.
1: right, But I, I mean, if I had to predict, I'd say again, this is the whole thing is going to be at least portrayed as as needing the 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 Supreme Court. Um, and that of course, if if Trump runs the table, that's not going to be the case. But we know that this thing's going to drag on for days now. And that's this is the importance of not having, let me put it this way, Tom, not having a Democrat in the state House. You know uh, that is that is, governors matter. Governors matter. Secretaries of state matter. They control a lot, a lot more than you realize. And state judi- state judicial
2: uh, elections matter a lot as well. So a friend of mine uh, from Pennsylvania, who knows the state very very well, tells me that uh, when Republicans lost a number of the elected judgeships in uh, 2018, that was a really bad sign. Not because it meant that Democrats were going to have a strong you know human turnout in in 2020, but what it meant is that you know when when shenanigans happen or when there's confusion, uh, these Democratic judges are going to be in a position to uh, make decisions that are you know politically biased.
1: Uh, and in Pennsylvania, just three days ago, they did it. The, the, the state supreme court ruled unanimously against the Republicans on a voting matter. So here we go, you know. But 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 what but, but, but what really gets me is is that we've got a Republican supreme court now, and as we all know, they're totally unreliable. I mean, Amy Barrett has she barely she hadn't even heard a case when she was protesting to the world that she was going to be a good judge. She might as well have just written a private note to the editors of the New York Times, you know. That was her audience, after all. So you can't really trust these people.
0: Hey, everybody, let's take just a quick break to thank our sponsor, Blinkist. I know I give you guys a lot of book suggestions and you don't know how to manage them all. Well, Blinkist is a unique and powerful app that works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. gives you the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information in thousands of nonfiction bestsellers. It condenses them into blinks that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes. Well, as people at my house event discovered, I live kind of far from things, so I drive a lot, and that's when I get to use Blinkist. I can absorb the basic ideas of a book and also decide if it's really worth my time to read the whole thing. I've recently listened to several Blinks that I recommend. One of them is Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. And then also I recommend a book I discussed not too long ago with the author on the Tom Woods Show, How Innovation Works by the brilliant and fascinating Matt Ridley. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to blinkist.com woods to start your free seven day trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership and up to 65% off audiobooks, yours to keep forever. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash woods to get 25% off a premium membership and a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash woods. Well, let's let's say a little something. um, I don't want to keep you guys up all night, even though we're probably going to stay up because that's just the way we are. But given that there is still a little uncertainty over this, I want to hedge our bets a little bit with this type of question. Let's start with the presumption that Trump emerges, emerges as the winner. What do you think the second Trump term looks like? And does it differ from the first one? So either one of you can take that or both.
1: Well, he'll immediately, I, he'll immediately, I hope, fire some people. And, and the first guy who has to go is the FBI director. Recommended to him by Jeff Sessions, I might add. And that creep, uh, the other day, obviously he made the decision, sent the FBI out to investigate a bunch of Trump supporters who followed the Biden campaign bus. This guy has to go the morning after the, you know, tomorrow morning. Um, But other people need to go too. And most of them are are the mistakes made by the president himself. He's not great on picking personnel. He fires chiefs of staff every 12 to 18 months. So, you know, that's the first thing he's got to do is fire some people, and I think he will. Um, But um, he's also, I hope, going to ask for some new leadership, or if you want to call it that, in the House. Republicans are going to lose some House seats. Um, And as for policies... We're going to see a ton more spending, in other words, more of the same. But uh, I don't think he's going to be dropping bombs in the Middle East.
0: Well, true. Uh, Dan, what do you think? I mean, I to me, I think the virus is going to be pretty front and center,
2: oh, yeah. So I mean, you know we've all been expecting that uh, you know, Biden wins the election and then, you know, not on November third, but basically come. Uh, January, after Biden has been sworn in, the media suddenly finds that COVID is not nearly as bad as we've all thought it was. And in fact, America is already on the road to recovery, and we can all breathe easy again. Well, now, of course, uh, you know, presuming that uh, Donald Trump does indeed, uh, you know, wind up uh, as uh, reelected, the media is going to say, oh, no, you know, we're all going to die. I mean, that's, you know, it's going to be 300,000 or 3 million Americans dying of COVID. Uh, You know, anything Donald Trump does will be, uh, just killing more Americans. So you're going to see this same drumbeat uh, that's been hammered at us, you know, over the course of the last nine months is going to continue. And I'm sure there will be, you know, plenty of other things. Um, I agree with Roger that you're going to see some personnel turnover. And uh, think about this, you know, this um, horrible fellow, what's his name? Uh, Tyler, uh, Miles T- Miles Taylor, right? Uh, this um, deputy chief of staff from the Department of Homeland Security who wrote an op-ed for the New York Times uh, under the anonymous uh, pseudonym. Um, Basically, you know, he was working in the administration, but he denounced the administration. He said, hey, you know, uh, New York Times readers, guess what, there are, you know, some Republicans like me hiding in the administration, sabotaging the president's initiatives. Um, Well, now that Miles Taylor has been identified, he's identified himself, he wanted the publicity. Um, Now that Donald Trump knows there are people like this, you know, like worms eating through the woodwork of his administration. Uh, I think there's going to be some real, you know, serious efforts to identify these people and get them the hell out of the administration. Uh, Already we've seen some very good uh, appointments with respect to where Donald Trump's foreign policy is going to go in the second term. Uh, Douglas McGregor, who I think has been appointed as uh, ambassador to Germany, he's awaiting confirmation. So is William Ruger, who's been appointed as ambassador to Afghanistan. He too is awaiting confirmation. But these are guys who um, are very serious about reforming America's approach to the world and practicing realism and restraint and something pretty darn close to non-interventionism, even though it's not going to be obviously a pure non-interventionism. But these are the right kinds of guys you need in order to move our policy in that direction. And so I think getting out of Afghanistan is going to be probably fast-tracked, probably ahead of the 2022 uh, midterms. I think that um, you're going to continue to see pressure put on our NATO allies to pony up, pay what they owe. And I think you may also see, you know, some rethinking about NATO expansion, perhaps. And uh, I think that the um, you're going to see a lot of good things here, but you will continue to have the media relentlessly attacking the administration on the most spurious of, of pretexts. And, um, you know, a lot of second-term administrations are just not very happy um, you know, oftentimes, you know, that's when you get a, a scandal or something. This time, you know, the Democrats, you know, they might try another impeachment at some point if they, especially if they get control of the Senate, uh, you know, maybe in 2022 or thereafter. Uh, well, 2022 would be the, the time. Um, so there's there's going to be a lot of stress, a lot of, you know, continual pressure against the administration. And, um, you know, it, it won't necessarily be easy just because you've had uh, a victory that's entirely unexpected and really historic in terms of, uh, you know, what the president and his team achieved, um, you know, in winning this race that everyone said was unwinnable. At the same time, though, if the president can pull off a miracle on election day, I think his administration can also pull off some miracles uh, in office.
1: Well, on the COVID front, Dan, well, first of all, foreign policy, I think Pompeo will resign um, and be replaced by somebody like Terry Branstad, who delivered Iowa to Trump. I mean, he resigned (laughs) his ambassadorship. You know, roughly October first, comes home and campaigns for thirty days in Iowa. He's a total master of Iowa. He delivered Iowa to Trump. Period. And he's going to be repaid. Pompeo's going to go out and make his you know ten zillion dollars. That's obvious. Um, And uh, you know, Bill Barr will probably resign, and someone like Pam Bondi will be the new. Attorney General, there's going to be a lot of changes, and as for the pressure, that brings out the best in Trump. So uh, I think he thrives on on uh, what we all would hate, which is <laughs> all the whys and 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 the attacks. Well, yes and no. I mean, I think it
2: really did bother the president a lot that you had this Russia hoax go on for years and years. It's clear that he was completely unprepared, sort of psychologically. For the utter lies that were going to be promulgated against him, and then turned into a series of investigations, including by departments that he is nominally meant to be in charge of as president, um, the president's a very tough guy, and you're right—he thrives on adversity, and he's always a very good counterpuncher. But he's still human, and I think that really, we—you um, know—a lot of people out there, um, and and not you know people like us, but a lot of ordinary Republicans and others um, didn't give the president enough credit for withstanding. The kind of uh, pressure that the media put on him—I mean, they wanted him to resign like Nixon. They wanted to take him down, and it took incredible guts oh, for yeah. him to, you know, stand in there and fight for himself and to point out that, in fact, many of the accusations leveled against him were things that people like Joe Biden and his son were actually guilty
1: of. But to leverage all this and turn it into a victory is astonishing, and I think that'll that'll uh, uh, reinvigorate Trump if you. If that be possible, (laughs) Um, yeah, I do agree, Dan. That 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 at some level uh, psychologically it wounded him, Um, but um, he's a different cat, entirely different cat. So um, he'll be back. It's true.
2: No, he is he is a a dynamo. One of the things we're going to need to see is I hope the administration has a plan for dealing with Congress in the run up to the 2022 midterms, uh, because clearly. Um, You know, in the the beginning of the first uh, Trump administration, there was too much deference to Paul Ryan and to, you know, the typical Republican leadership of losers uh, in uh, Congress. Uh, Then, of course, you know, we lost the House in 2018 and uh, our our Senate majority is pretty darn thin. So in 2022, you know, we're going to have the wind in our face, unfortunately, and it's going to be very difficult to uh, increase uh, the number of uh, Senate seats or to add any seats in the House. Uh, But we have to try to buck the trend of uh, presidents losing ground in the midterm because uh, otherwise uh, Congress will be a write-off. The other thing we have to do is we have to do to Congress, basically, what Trump has already done to the Republican uh, presidential um, uh, approach to the presidency, right? So Donald Trump broke with all of the losers who had opposed him and run against him back in 2016. He broke with, you know, the traditions of um, John McCain and Mitt Romney, and of course the Bushes. So he has redefined what it means to be a Republican leader as president. Uh, And in terms of running campaigns and the fact that he has just won against all possible odds, um, at least as things look tonight, uh, that indicates that Donald Trump's new style of leadership really works. At least, you know, it's a a promising beginning and it trashes what doesn't work. But now we need to see that kind of entrepreneurial verve in politics applied to Congress. Because Congress, Republicans in Congress are still, for the most part, there are exceptions, but for the most part, they are running by the old playbook of people like Paul Ryan and, you know, all of the people who have been, you know, sort of failures and deadbeats over the, uh, you know, sort of past 20 years. You need to have a new spirit in Republicans running for Congress and for the Senate, um, just like you needed a new spirit in the kind of Republican running for president.
1: Unfortunately, their spokesman is uh, vice president Pence. So they have a mole in the white house. I mean, is this guy a classic non-entity?
0: He's a non-entity, but my gut tells me that at the beginning, he was more of a, you know, a, a, a round hole going into a square peg, but that I think, he takes some of the attacks on Trump as being implicitly attacks on him. And my sense is he's more of a team player now. And I think he defended Trump fairly ably in the debate.
2: I mean, what what do you think about that, Dan? Well, there's also the tremendous, you know, sort of um, influence of example that Donald Trump has set by winning an impossible victory. Um, You know, Republicans in Congress, um, you know, Republican apparatchiks throughout the country, conservative movement apparatchiks, these people have very weak, you know, principles. And a lot of them are just attracted to power and they're attracted to success. Donald Trump now defines that, whereas, you know, Mitt Romney and uh, the legacy of John McCain, the legacy of the Bushes, all signal failure. So sometimes not for the noblest of reasons, but one reason, you know, we'll we'll have to take what we can get, um, is going to lead a lot of, you know, Republicans to change their way of thinking and to readjust, you know, their... um, their beliefs in a direction that is more closely in line with the president's national conservatism or with other forms of conservatism that are truly on the right. Some of them might become libertarian populists, some of them might become populists of another kind, but hopefully they are going to understand that the old neocon and establishment way of getting elected and then wielding power ineffectively and, you know, sort of teaming up with the left, um, hopefully, you know, even ordinary Uh, Republican office holders are now going to look at Donald Trump's example and they're going to say, we need to be more like this guy and a hell of a lot less like John McCain, Mitt Romney, and the Bush
1: clan. One other thing about the internal workings of the White House, I mean, how many of these guys selected by both Pence and the president have written books dissing the president? I mean, this is ridiculous. These are all Republicans of the sort Dan just described. These creeps are writing books and making a million bucks a piece or more after working for the president.
2: That's right. But, you know, things have changed and there have been changes in the White House Office of Personnel in the last uh, six or eight months, which um, really do put things on a very different footing. And uh, I I think everyone's going to be very happy uh, with what what comes forward. Now, having said that, um, even with some of the positive changes in the White House uh, Office of Personnel. There are, you know, the Republican Party is still a mixture of different elements, some of which are still very establishment, some of which are, you know, pure neocons even. And so, you know, it's, there's always going to be some internal rivalry, there's always going to be um, some, uh, you know, even if it's not outright sabotage, it'll be people, you know, with different agendas trying to put their agendas ahead of the president's or put their agendas ahead of a, a principled conservative one. Um, So, you know, just as Ronald Reagan had to deal with a lot of this, but I really think that Donald Trump, you know, as Roger has said, because of all these awful memoirs, these, you know, books that just, you know, turned around and bit the hand that fed them, uh, because of these creeps like Miles Taylor, who was, you know, in the administration and at the same time writing anonymous op-eds, just trashing the president, I think because of the example these people have set, Donald Trump and his personnel office are going to be much more rigorous in the second term. And they want to make sure that there are no people like that. I also think they don't want anyone, any, any, they don't want to take any more chances on a, uh, a John Bolton or any of these other sort of neocon types who got in in the first administration. I think you're going to see a dramatic uh, improvement.
1: Uh, one other thing that should be mentioned in, on Pence, in Pence's favor is that he represents the moral conservatives. Um, and, and it cannot be ignored that, it, that Trump Practically runs the table in these industrial, in the Rust Belt, and uh, is not afraid to s- say things like Joe Biden is anti God. You know, let's not ignore that as a factor in this victory. It sure didn't hurt him, did it? Well, I totally agree. Well, m- let me
0: just say one thing. If by some unforeseen possibility, this turns out to be a Dewey defeats Truman moment, then everybody listening, I owe you another episode on what the Biden presidency is likely to look like. Okay, we'll we will come back and talk about that.
1: Well, eighty three percent of the vote in Wisconsin, and Trump's ahead fifty one forty seven. If you prefer, he's ahead by three and a half points with eighty three percent of the vote in. So uh, I mean that, that that's it. To me, that's it. But as we know, this is going to the high court. So
2: Yeah, I'm I'm uh you know cautiously optimistic, but there really is a lot of caution there because um boy, I mean you look at all of the things they've said about this president, all the things they've done, you look at impeachment, you look at the Russia hoax, they'll they will try absolutely anything to stop uh, you know, the president's reelection from being confirmed and uh, you know, going forward. So um a three point lead in uh in Wisconsin, three and a half. Three and a- yeah, it's good, it's a, but, you know, I, uh, I'm still <laughs> not going to breathe easy until we actually get across that finishing line.
1: Okay, well, you better get a sedative for the next <laughs> week. or two. <laughs>
2: All right, listen, thanks to
0: both of you gentlemen for this uh, very unusual episode of the show recorded so darn late. And boy, when I have to get up to get my kids off to school in the morning, I'm going to be paying for this, <laughs> but, but you got to do what you got to do. Thank you both very, very much. I appreciate your insights a lot. Okay, folks, before we wrap up, let me give you one nice, non-political, peaceful, fun thing that can benefit a bunch of you, particularly if you are homeschoolers. And it's something called Music Theory Classroom. It's a music theory curriculum designed for homeschoolers or other high school students and it covers the material that music majors get in the first two to four semesters of music theory. It's musictheoryclassroom.com. It's a classical conservatory-style curriculum, and unfortunately, because of the platform it's on, he can't use a coupon code with only five letters in it. So there's no coupon code WOODS. So this SOB decided that instead you would get a discount at musictheoryclassroom.com when you use coupon code MALICE. You've got to love my folks here. That's that's just a fantastic substitute for Woods. MALICE is the coupon code. If, if for some of my new listeners, if you don't know who, what MALICE means, um, look up my debate on YouTube against Michael MALICE on the subject of Alexander Hamilton, and you'll be in for an evening of entertainment. So anyway, uh, links to the courses and a full description of the curriculum can be found at musictheoryclassroom.com. And if you would like me to promote a website that you are thinking about creating, head over to tomwoods.com slash publicity, and you'll find out how to get these free bonuses I give you, including this nice publicity. Uh, tomwoods.com slash publicity is how to uh, find that out. You just have to get your hosting through my link, and you get a great deal with a great company and you get a bunch of bonuses from me that will give you a nice head start out of the gate. I'll post musictheoryclassroom.com on the show notes page, tomwoods.com slash 1769. And I'll talk to you all tomorrow when Mark Crispin Miller comes back to the show. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time.